0: Our scripture reading comes from the Gospel according to Matthew. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. The Word of God for the people of God. God.
1: As I do each year, around the end of December this morning, on behalf of the Stewardship Committee, I bring you an update on our annual campaign. And the headline at this point is Thank You. As of today, we have a little bit more than two thirds of our pledges in. And at this point, those of you who have responded, who have responded strongly, to our bold ask. We are currently on track for the 11% increase that will help us with inflation and to advance our goals for the coming year. This is really good news because a, a, an increase community-wide at this kind of a level is not a transaction. You are not giving like this because you pay a fee and the church uh, replies by providing you with requested services. These are the kinds of gifts made by people who feel God at work in our community and are responding in joy. If you made an increase like this and wondered if others were joining you, the answer is yes and thank you. And, We need to cross the finish line and still have a ways to go. So a couple more points. If you pledge each year and we just haven't heard from you yet, please be in touch as soon as you can. It is normal for us to hear from a number of you right here at the end of the year. So the rate at which the pledges are coming in is about what we expect what is not normal this year is that we experienced a, a retirement uh, in our finance department this year we have new staff so all of that soft data about how jane doe always makes a pledge but it never comes in until the first week of january all that's gone so even if you have a really good reason for delaying a little bit longer which we know some of you do just give us a call and let us know what to expect Second, we have had 11 brand new pledges so far this year from very generous people. If you love Knox and you have not pledged before, please consider joining the rest of us in supporting this place financially. If you are not exactly sure what we need or what kind of a gift would be helpful, I am happy to talk with you as our members of our stewardship committee. Thank you. Let us pray. Gracious God, come among us in power and in might and in the stillness of the good news of Christmas with a child born in a manger. Come among us and move in our lives in mysterious ways we have not yet known so that we can experience your love and joy. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So Today is the fourth Sunday of Advent. If you didn't already know, that's why we light this wreath each Sunday. I'm gonna admit something to you. In our tradition, the four Sundays of Advent, they each have these themes, hope, peace, joy, and love. What I have to admit to you is that I've never talked a lot about these ideas. I don't find the words, the themes themselves to be that inspiring. Maybe they're just too vague. But a couple of weeks ago, I heard something about these words that did speak to me that got me thinking about the last two themes, joy and love. And today I wish to share that reflection with you. There are plenty of well-known sayings out there about love. One of the things we say about love is that love is a verb. Another way of saying that, love is a choice. In order for love to happen, it cannot just be a sentimental idea. We have to act upon it. This is a familiar idea because it's true. But in this past week, I heard a less familiar idea that is also worth talking about. Henri Nowen is an author and spiritual guide. Becky Bosarge on our staff shared an insight of his in one of our shared prayer times. Nouwen writes that joy is a choice. It's quite common to think about love being a choice. Joy also is a choice. Listen to what he says about it. Joy is the experience of knowing that you are unconditionally loved and that nothing, sickness, failure, emotional distress, oppression, war, or even death can take that love away. Now and continues, joy is not the same as happiness. We can be unhappy about many things, but joy can still be there because it comes from the knowledge of God's love for us. Joy does not simply happen to us, we have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. Those words got my attention, they are true. We all know people who choose joy. Their lives may not be easy or fortunate in all respects, but in the midst of the good and the bad, they live with a deep and abiding sense that they belong to God and that their life is a gift. With people like this, joy is palpable in their way of being and their dealings with other people. It is through this lens that I wish to talk to you about a story we hear every Christmas. I hope that through this lens of joy as a choice, you might hear something new. This morning we meet the story of Mary and Joseph, and in this story, I hope you will hear that they make a choice for joy. Some years we read this story as it comes to us in the Gospel of Luke, which focuses on Mary. This year we are in Matthew, where the focus is more on Joseph. Let's start with a little bit of background about Joseph. We meet Joseph in this first chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew. We meet him at the end of one of these long genealogies, you know, these passages in the Bible where we hear about who begat whom. This genealogy is of Jesus. And it begins with Abraham. It begins with Abraham, and 14 generations later, King David is born. These are the glory days of the kingdom of Israel. 14 generations later, the Jerusalem temple will be destroyed, and the Babylonians will send the Israelites into exile. This is under the reign of King Jeconiah. And 14 generations after that, Jesus is born to save the people, and God's plan is renewed. At the end of this royal lineage, this long genealogy, Joseph appears. He's the father of Jesus. But here's the funny thing. This long genealogy is meant to reveal Jesus as the expected Messiah, a descendant of King David, but Matthew does not tell us that Joseph fathered Jesus. Instead, he awkwardly writes in verse 16, Joseph was the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. Matthew has made no attempt to clean up this awkwardness. So we know that Matthew is trying to tell us something. That's the setup. Now on to the next story. This is the one that will be more familiar to you. Joseph and Mary are engaged, but not yet married. and Mary becomes pregnant, quote, by the Holy Spirit. That sounds suspicious to me. It was also suspicious to Joseph. The story says that Joseph is a righteous man, which means he was at least a few clicks above being a quality individual. And he has concluded that he is not going to shame Mary publicly, but divorce her quietly. Then, an angel appears in a dream and says to him, Joseph, son of David. Do you hear there the reference back to the genealogy? Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and name him Jesus, for he will save the people. Joseph has a choice to make. Will he divorce Mary quietly, or will he listen to the angel? It's still a week from Christmas, and I don't want to ruin the ending. (laughs) But Joseph's going to stick with Mary. And since you already know that, The question for us seems to be, what does this choice that Joseph makes, what does this choice mean for you and for me? In order to talk about that, you have to connect the first part of the story, the genealogy, with the second part of the story, the pregnancy. This is a story about a savior coming into the world. As I mentioned before, the long genealogy is Matthew's way of tracing the story of God throughout the Bible. There is the story of the coming of King David and the triumphs of the kingdom of Israel. There is the collapse of that story in the destruction of the temple. And there is the renewal of God's way in the coming of the Messiah, Jesus. A savior is on the way. In the second part of the story, that hope is made explicit. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, the angel says to Joseph. The child will save the people. So we're talking about a savior. But to save who? And to save them from what? This is the question that doesn't always get asked. Jesus is a savior, we say that all the time, but a savior from what? Why was a savior needed then? Why do we need one now? That question can probably be answered best by looking not into the pages of the Bible and going through some kind of a study, but by looking at our very own lives. In the hallway behind me, outside of the church office, we have an Advent prayer wall. This month, dozens, maybe over a 100 of you, of all ages, children, youth, adults, you have shared your prayers, written them on paper, and posted them on that wall so that we can pray for them together. I have read those prayers myself and prayed over them. Here are some of the prayers going on right now in our community. We are praying for loneliness and homelessness, sobriety and Ukraine. For our children and our aging parents, we're praying that people would treat one another the way they wish to be treated themselves and for teenagers to make good decisions. We're praying for those who are grieving as they make their way through the holidays, for foster children, for cancer, for our country, our siblings, and for acceptance. That's about a dozen of the hundred or so prayers on that wall. We need saving. Our lives need a Savior. We need one who listens and hears and responds to our prayers, to the places in life where we are aching or anxious or incomplete, where we are fearful or in need of forgiveness, the places in our lives where we are longing for God. We need to be heard. We need a savior. Other times we need saving from ourselves, from the false sense of security that keeps us comfortable and keeps tough questions at arm's length. Am I truly happy? If I'm not, what's keeping me from it? Why was I created? What's the purpose of my being here? What is my life really all about? These questions, and not even their answers, but the questions themselves are a means of salvation. Sometimes Jesus saves us by keeping us from getting too comfortable. Joseph was a man who needed to be shaken out of his comfort and his complacency. His life wasn't all easy, but heck, he was a part of the house and family of David. He was engaged to be married, and when when tough decisions came along for him, he was at least comfortable enough to be able to quietly walk away if he wanted to. And then a challenge came. I can almost see Joseph, maybe you can as well, trying to keep at bay those tough questions I mentioned about purpose and meaning. Mary gets pregnant, and he knows what he's going to do about that. And then he has this dream. This dream he can't explain, telling him to make a choice. Joseph chooses joy. He chooses to trust his crazy dream. Maybe he wondered, what might happen if I take a bit of a risk here? Maybe he wondered in fear, what if I keep on taking no risks at all? Joseph chooses joy. And returning to that honor now, and quote, joy is not the same thing as happiness, and it's not the same thing as taking the easy road. In this instance, Joseph chooses parenthood, and parenthood is hard work. Joy is a choice. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. The days are not easy and the stresses are many, but that does not mean that misery is mandatory. For joy is found in knowing that we belong to God and that God can be trusted to see us through moments in life that may not be happy or easy, but in which we can still find joy. The example here with Joseph happens to be about parenthood, but it could be about many things. We make choices for joy in every part of our lives. We make choices for joy not only in reference to children, but also with respect to parents and siblings and friendships. We make choices for joy in our careers, in how we spend our money and our time, in sacrifices we make for the welfare of others, in the attention we give To our own spiritual lives. In any and all of these things, in many others, we make choices every day. Will you choose joy? Will you trust God enough to hold your struggles and help you in the midst of them? Will you trust God to move you out of your need for comfort and help you to take some risks? Will you learn from Joseph? Will you choose joy? Do I need a savior? That's Joseph's question. It's the question we bring with us to Christmas. For most of us, it is a question that will not be answered. Instead, it is a question that will need to work on us. Can I trust Jesus to save me? Can I trust God to be a saving presence in my life, to comfort me, to challenge me, to shake me out of my stubborn independence and my need for certainty, to welcome me into a relationship with God that is new? And mysterious. In all of these things, can I trust God to give me joy? Amen.